Hello and welcome to Infra Black Archive. With me, Owen, and no one else, it's just me. We're just doing it with me today. Um, so, we're discussing today um, for, for rescue. So this is a two-part of them, really, which happened. I'm waiting for you to come on in. <laughs> you said it was a solo program. I was just letting you ride off into the distance with that one, see how long it took for you to realise how stupid an idea that was. Hello, listeners. It's James here, the other presenter. I can't get rid of him. I keep trying. I can't get rid of myself, so you've got no luck. Oh. We, we did have to get rid of you earlier, because this is our second attempt at recording this today, and your headphones <laughs> yes. died midway through. <laughs> what, what happened this morning is uh, I did not plan everything very well, and suddenly my headphones, which have a very good battery life, but not a very good way of telling me when it's out, just suddenly conked. And yeah, <laughs> we had to recharge him. So it's our second attempt. We've got to do it every, once every season, because we did it last season. It was our first episode. We screwed that up. So That's we're true. back here again. But there's nothing... No, I'm going to rephrase that. There are worse things than having to do another Into the Black Archive podcast recording. Yeah. At least this time we didn't get all the way through it. We realised around ten minutes in. Yeah, we weren't... We weren't. We hadn't even really started talking about the episode, no. <laughs> to be honest. We were still waffling. Uh, which we'll probably do a little bit in this podcast, listeners, because it's only a two-part story. Uh, so we do have some air to fill. And, Owen, I have a question for you. <laughs> that I've been thinking about because as we record this yesterday was the finale of a very popular uh, crime detective show yes um which has received mixed feedback I think it I think it's fair to say yes so I was wondering if Doctor Who ever had a finale of sorts like they for some ridiculous reason they decided the show's ending we're not gonna we're never gonna do another one what would you have happen in the episode how would you end Doctor Who as a story I don't know I think the issue is we currently don't know where it's going to go with Timeless Children. We're kind of in that a zone where we don't really know where we're going next, let alone where we're going in, say, yeah. a season or few's time. All we know is that John Bishop is there. Which, I mean, can be good, maybe. we yet to it's see. Not- it's not the best thing you to put on a tourist brochure, is it? Where are you? Where you're going? We don't know, but John Bishop is waiting. Isn't that essentially Liverpool's um, main advertising <laughs> technique? Yeah, I've been to Liverpool, and that's actually entirely accurate. So, how how do you think it will end? I think if they ever ended it, which, for the record, I don't ever think that they will. I think it'll keep going in some shape or form forever. Yeah. Um, I think the only logical way to end it would be to kill the Doctor. Yeah. Properly, like, you know, not have him regenerate, but, just but extend he can't, it. he can't anymore, because time is children. <sighs> Chibnall is a man <laughs> that I'd like to have a conversation with today. <laughs> I think the question is, it isn't so much how will it end, it's what will make it end. Because considering how... How many attempts the BBC has had of killing it off previously? <laughs> yeah, they've never been able to. Whether it's been trying to get rid of William Hartnell with Celestial Toymaker, that didn't work out. Mm. Um, more recently, with the, with the Seventh Doctor, they tried to they they ended it. They actually ended the TV show there, but then it continued on in the 
uh, Virgin New Adventures. Yes, the New Adventures, and then they did the the TV movie with Paul McGann, which also ended, attempted to end it, and then we yeah. had all J plays both from BBC and then later on Big Finish. Yeah, and then there was Scream of the Schalke. Yeah, which is a Big Finish one. So, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I've been more interested to know what does end it. Hmm. Yeah, that's more of an interesting question. Uh, I think if ever it were to happen, it would be for similar reasons than it did in the eighties. There'll be some BBC controller like Michael Grade was back then, who mm. just who just doesn't understand the show and sees the viewing figures and just thinks, well, they're not as good as they used to be. I mean, certainly, it's not like uh, the Jodie era is watched by anywhere near the same level of people as uh, David Tennant's era was think, or Matt Smith's. I think. It- for viewing figures currently is all right once you put it in for context of general viewership decline. Oh, I agree. I think I think Who's ratings are still very good for a drama that's been running that long, and it also pulls a good, a good family audience, which will help yeah. it. I actually think the show's become more. Sorry, Owen. I feel like I cut you <laughs> off, but I actually feel <laughs> like the um the show has become more family friendly. Certainly, mm. with the past couple of couple of doctors, I think they've slid more towards the we're going to do bits for the kids. Yeah, particularly I think Moffat because he went very fairy tale sci fi, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, he went down to really over complex paths. He still managed to make it really fairy tale. Like whenever you watch some of the old, say, Tenant era and, and Chris Eccleston era stuff. You can't imagine them doing it nowadays. Yeah, actually. That, that's a really good point. They definitely couldn't make that show as it was today. Because if you just think of... Parting of the Ways is Eccleston's final two-parter, isn't it? Yeah, it's Parting of the Ways. Just think, think about how many guns there were in that one there. Yeah, Actively actually. being used and not just being used as props. Yeah, like people are people are shooting... Yeah, when, when the Daleks invade Satellite Five, like they are going at it. Like you see, Captain Jack get done full in full. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd 100 percent see that. You definitely wouldn't have seen that in Moffat's era, would you? No, no, it would all be it would be the thing where everything would be dealt with with words, or there would be like a he'd pull a switch, like Matt Smith would pull a switch, and then all the yeah. aliens, whatever aliens you had, would suddenly switch off that kind or, of thing, or a jammy dodger. Yeah, or a jammy dodger, something as ridiculous as that, so you can avoid the violence. Yeah, they. Now you say that they definitely couldn't make the Davies era of shows again. I mean, for a start, they'd have to recast half of them. Uh... <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, so also as well, just that's a bit of chit chat which for us to have before we move on to the actual episode. Yeah. I I yesterday got delivered wiped about the Doctor's missing episodes. Which you've been raving about, actually. For a start, it's a thick book. I haven't been raving about it. I've barely read it. But, it's, <laughs> but, you, but you do like it from the initial, yeah. I mean. I, due to um, Josh Snares on YouTube, very good videos, I already know a bit about the subject area. And it's very interesting to know about how they all came back. Despite what James says a lot of the time, it's got nothing to do with fires. No, it's to do with tape wiping. But don't you think fires sounds better? <laughs> but... Here's something for you, James. Yes. Did you realise which we're currently watching wiped episodes? Do you know what? I I, I didn't connect the dots, but now I realise it. It's it's very obvious that we're watching a restored version of a home recording. No. 
No, you're not. Oh, you're off, off. Owen? Yes? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> We're going down the path here. So the entirety of 60s Who was wiped completely. Aside from an unearthly child, I think. That was the yeah. one exception. Yeah, because it was sort of historical. Yeah. So then, all the ones, I think we're currently watching from season two, one and two, but mostly from for BBC Enterprises. So they've sent them off to different countries around the world. It's all of those tapes, which they had in their library. Ah. So it was recorded, so Doctor as a general whole is recorded onto videotape back back in these days. Yeah. And then they then use a telecine, which is essentially a TV, a, a film camera pointing at a TV. And they would just film it like that. And then those films would get sent off to different countries around the world. So those, those are those. So those films are what we currently are watching. So re- so really, we're watching we're watching an international export. Yes. Not bad. It's, it's, I mean, the quality's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I imagine that these are restored, surely, because there would have been um, there would have been inconsistencies. For newer coloured who. Is a lot of restoration goes on on it, uh, particularly in Pertwee's era, because they also wiped all of the master coloured tapes, essentially. Mm. So they were all in black and white, because they used to only send out black and white copies. So they yeah. had black and white kept. So a lot of the coloured ones in Pertwee's era have been recolored through various techniques, which we'll talk about later on, because we're planning on doing it. one episode just talking about wiped episodes so it's just a brief preview into that also used different techniques there so a lot of that stuff's been remastered to an extent some episodes which are newer finds say i think there was some in 2014 Hmm. those ones there often have to have a lot of restoration done because of the amount of time it's been since they were initially captured to now has led to a lot of declaration in the video quality yeah Do, do you mean degradation yes yeah yeah, I was, I was thinking it was degradation, but the word kind of came out as like declaration and no. I was like, what, of independence. Yes, Doctor Who declared independence last year. <laughs> well, the, well, with timeless children, Chris Chibnall has declared independence <laughs> from logic. <laughs> anyway, shall we get back to a time when Who wasn't incompetent uh, and and talk about uh, um, the rescue, which is uh, this week's episode? I mean, this Doctor Who which we're currently watching is still mildly incompetent at endings yeah the the ending problem is consistent and very annoying and it doesn't let up here again aside from last episode yeah last episode they got the ending pretty right it's, it's a little quick but but the ending was good yeah so, anyway, so we the... oh, sorry no no you carry on you no, carry you... on you carry on no you carry on james you carry on. So, um, <laughs> this week we are looking at For Rescue, <laughs> which I don't know if you know this, James, but you do know this because we've previously talked about this on our failed recording. Um, it's not for most few Doctor Who. Yeah, you, you amazed me when you said this stat earlier. Am I right in remembering that it was watched by... So it was 12 million people for the first part. It's a two-parter. Yeah. 12 million for the first part, and then 13 million tuned in for the second. Yes. I mean, Jed Mercurio would like a word. 
Do you, I think I know what happened. Go on. Is this is this one of your uh, theories? Yeah, this is a theory. I don't actually know this for sure. So what I imagined happened is since we had the Dark Invasion of Earth beforehand, word of mouth got around of saying this show is actually really good now, really good now. So everyone started to try to get into it. Hmm. Since back then, Doctor Who was screened once, and then that was it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like it was put on iPlayer, of course. Yeah, so I reckon this was people trying to get a taste of good Doctor Who after the last season, if not the last season, mm-hmm. last episode. Yeah, yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. I'm I, I'm willing to back that theory. If it's form which makes sense, because on the face of it, these episodes aren't they're good. Let's let me be clear here. They're the best under four parter which we've had so far. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I can fair. Safely say that. So it's not a bad set of episodes, but it's very basic. Yeah, shall we? So, I mean, actually, before before we spin a yarn about it, Owen, should mm. we do the classic? You try and run through syn- the synopsis. Fortunately, there's not a lot of synopsis with this one because it is quite simple. Yes. So, for Tardis, lands in a cave. The Doctor is obviously very distraught still after losing Susan, so he's constantly giving out little reminders, which she's not quite there. But then they land in the cave, Susan and, not Susan, Barbara and Ian go out <laughs> to investigate where they've landed. Is it safe? Is it not safe? We don't know. Is it inhabited? So they go outside, they follow the cave system to the sunlight, they come across this strange creature called Carquillion, who separates them, push pushes Barbara off a cliff and buries the Doctor and Ian inside the caves. Barbara ventures down and finds a crashed ship with two people inside, one called Vicky and one called Bennett. Um, so, what happens next? Uh, the Doctor and Ian attempt to escape. There's a sort of a right cliffhanger, if I remember correctly, uh, where yeah. Ian is potentially being pierced off into a sandy creature. While this is going on, uh, Barbara is meeting Vicky and Bennett. Bennett is paralysed, we're led to believe, um, where he is stuck into his room. But is he? We'll find out later. Um, so they get along. Uh, Ian, Ian and Doctor eventually get out of the cave. They meet up with Vicky. The Doctor goes in to speak with Bennett. Plot twist alert. Bennett's not there. But where is Bennett? We don't know. Um, the Doctor tries to find him. It turns out... Now things as it seems, as Carquillion is actually Bennett, and Bennett is a murderer and killed everyone, literally everyone on the cruise ship, and he probably thinks the entire inhabitants of this planet. And then the series ends. The episode ends. And then the series ends? Yes. <laughs> That'd be a You see, we were talking about Doctor Who finale, so that'd be some way to do it. A man has killed everyone, goodbye. Mm. Pretty much. I think the first question I have for you about this episode... Gone. Before we get into the characters, did you predict the plot twist? Um, at a certain point, yeah. I, I think it became clear at a certain point in the sort of start of the second part that so, yeah. obviously there was something up with that, and that you had to consider where else he would be, and that because Carquillian was masked, yeah. So was you it? You had to connect the dots. So was it? When the doctor went in there and found he wasn't there, he sort of realised. No, I'd say before that, I'd say even as um even as Vicky was being like, "Oh, you shouldn't go and talk to him." That was the mm. point where I was like, "Right." So Vicky as a character is uh, effectively done out because she 
has been conned here yeah manipulated so at that point you know the red flags are already worrying narratively Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a good plot twist still yeah it's well done i think it's quite well done it's fairly smooth it's a good reverse yeah, uh, but but then you get into the ending and it gets a little more ropey. But, but the yeah. initial twist is good. Something actually, I think this episode does well. I was saying which is basic beforehand, but I think that's what it needs to be. Because I think the other one, other shorter episodes, have tried to pump in way too much information into these two parters. You had. Um, the Edge of Destruction, when they essentially tried to put in every genre under the sun into a 25-minute episode. Yeah, that was a, that's a mess unto itself. And which, then there was Planet of Giants. Which tried to do two stories at once and then didn't really know what to do with itself. Yeah, so we've had two like short, if we can say anything under four parts is quite short for Who. Yeah. Um, these kind of short stories that don't really go anywhere... Obviously, with this being a two-parter, from the shorts we've seen, you get those initial kind of red flags about mm. it. But yeah, it's quite a basic story, but it's it's self-contained in a good way. Yeah. Well, you say self-contained, but this is when we get on to the characters, isn't it? Because we've got a new companion. Yes, but before we get into who that is, shall we go over our slightly new dynamic of a team? Because this is our first time without Susan. Yes, and this is now just the Doctor Ian and Barbara as a as a trio. Yes, did you forget the word? No, I didn't. I was thinking <laughs> of you know how um you know how when you have four or five people like a quartet or a, or a quintet. Yes, but I was thinking, well, what's what's like? Was it, is it like a trintet? And I was like, no, that isn't right. So so I was going in my head like, surely there's a there's a word there's like a quartet word for three. It's like <laughs> no, it's just trio, isn't it? Yeah, just trio, sorry. Yeah, I sort of double back and like, oh, it's trio. It's not going to sound as good. Um, I think it was good with the Doctor because you saw which he was, how he was being affected by the loss of Susan. Which Particularly at the beginning. Yeah, which is good because it almost seemed very standoffish in Dalek Invasion of Earth when he leaves. Yeah. So you kind of get this vibe that he's being very cold. But they start off with him thinking that Susan's there, asking Susan to do things because he's just not used to that sudden that sudden vacuum. Yeah, where she used to be. I mean, hell, there's even a bit where Ian insinuates that he might um, basically have dementia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's sort of like, oh, I don't think he's all there, which is fair enough because you know he's an older gentleman. But then the doctor overhears this from, from inside the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, that must be something to be able to hear some people think you've got dementia. <laughs> Uh, obviously, that can't happen because time is children. Chibnall, another <laughs> conversation <laughs> needs to be had about time as children. Um, but other than that, really, I don't think much happened with them. Not really. There's no new major ground broken. Mm. I think Barbara gets the most to do emotionally because Barbara's yeah. the one that meets Vicky up first and she's got to kind of win her round and convince her that she's not a threat and that, you know, in particular mm. they're, you know, that she has to convince them that they're actually time travelers and they're from the year 1963. And, and then Vicky says, but that must make you about 550 years old. Yes. Um, and then Ian doesn't do much really. He's there. 
Yeah, this is the first episode Ian doesn't do a great deal, actually. But I think it's... This is the episode where they needed for regulars to take a sit, seat back so we could be properly introduced to Vicky. Yes, because Vicky is the person replacing Susan. Very, very quick swap. We're going back to a yeah. quartet almost immediately. Um, they initially asked Vicky, actor, actress who played Vicky, to dye her hair to be more like Susan. Yeah. Don't you want a difference? Like if you're if you're gonna <laughs> look, lads, if you're gonna take a character out, at least make a differentiation. You can't just say, "Oh yeah, we'll just put in a clone." Like just recast the character then. <laughs> but, yeah. If you want to do that, <laughs> one but, thing I found. No, sorry, you you carry right, on. You go on. All right. Um, one thing I was going to say about Vicky when we're introduced to her. Mm-hmm is that if you're trying to set up that Vicky is a woman of the 25th century, a space traveller, the only thing they did with her costume to do that was give her <laughs> these like tri- this kind of triangle necklace that sort of looked like a bit of lattice that's going around her, that's going around her neck. Just think, <laughs> that's the future. In the future, we all we all wear the same clothes. We just have slightly cumbersome jewellery. To be fair, I'd rather than do that, than do what they, what shows back then still do to an extent, or thinking what future clothes are, which is just stupidly unpractical. Yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a really good example of this. Um, I always think about the Jetsons. Yeah, and... Gene Roddenberry, the guy who wrote Star Trek initially. Yeah. Um, it was his belief which everyone in the future would always wear spandex. So that, that to me, you have to raise questions about that man's beliefs. So that's, so, and yeah. that, that's why Picard is always pulling down his top. Imagine, was because imagine, of that. Imagine creating on that show and being the costume designer. It's like, oh, I've got a job on Star Trek. Like, we're going to be in space. I can try so many different ideas, so many bold costumes. Gene Roddenberry turns up and he's like, nah, man, spandex only. I'm fairly sure it was that. It's something along those lines. Oh, Edison, if I was wrong. So, what do you think about our introduction to Carquillian? Carquillian never comes across well, does he? He's just no. like. I am the big clawed monster evil man. There's no real nuance with Carquillian. He's immediately out to cause trouble. I mean, he pushes Barbara off a cliff about two minutes after we meet him. Yeah. But it's also the first time when the Doctor is on a planet which he's been to before. Excluding Earth. Excluding Earth. Yeah, excluding Earth. Obviously, that's mainly there for the plot because it's giving you a signal that things aren't right with Carquillian when he says, oh, mm-hmm. but this is a, this is the planet Dido, uh, not of not of a Stan and Thank You fame. Um, you know, I know these people. They're very, very friendly. They wouldn't ever think about violence. It's just not in their nature. But obviously, we're seeing that one of their people, so we think, is papily pushing women off cliffs. I think it's a good way to set up a good plot without having the extra baggage of having to show that requires. Yeah, it's very it's very sleek, that's what I'd say. In terms of a script, it gets the information they need to very quickly. It's it's trying to think of the right word. It's very efficiently written. Yeah. Not a lot of fluff. They know they've only got 45, 50 minutes to tell the story, so they're just gonna go straight in with it. And I think it's fairly well written. Mm. Moves along nicely. Which is a difference compared to Edge of Destruction, where I was saying before, they just kind of tried to put everything in 25 minutes. 
yeah, there's just not cogent narrative in Edge. Whereas in whereas in the rescue, there's actually a coherent story going on with a twist that all right, it's not the most shocking thing ever, but it's a decent twist and yeah. it does everything you want. Can I also admit something here? Yeah, I spoiled myself on the twist. How did you, how did you spoil yourself for the twist? Um, because obviously, when I'm prepping for this, I need to read the wiki. Right. So, uh, as at the start of episode two, I just started reading the wiki, tried to get some information on it. Oh, and yeah, it, you, you have to wait till after. Uh, and it said on on the credits, um, Bennett slash Carquillian. <laughs> yeah, that's the immediate. <laughs> and giveaway. and I thought, hey, whoops. <laughs> yeah, you've done it now. This is why I always look on the wiki after I'll have watched the episode if I can. Yeah. Because so, usually I'll do it if I've missed something or or if I'm not particularly sure on a detail. I'll just, oh, I'll just check on the wiki. Yeah. Rather but than go and spoil it for myself. As someone who went in blind, it's good to hear which it actually did work for you. It's a it's a perfectly solid twist. I often find that as a viewer, I'm not the world's best at picking up on twists, which is yeah. crazy because I, I, I write them so much. Mm-hmm. So I really should know when to pick them up from other writers, but I just can't. There's something in my yeah. head which just stops me from doing it. But yeah, this was a this was a good twist. I think it's a nice change because write, the writing so far on Doctor has been very clunky. You can sometimes you can basically see the plots moving from a mile away, and the story. But this one here actually comes out of you can obviously see it working underneath, but it comes out of nowhere, which I don't think you've had previously. Hmm. Yeah, there is, there are a lot of good things to say about the rescue. It does, it does quite a fair bit in its runtime, and actually, and this should be commended, it sets up an entirely new character who we need to get to know a lot because we're going yeah. to be getting to know her a lot in the next episodes. And how do you think Vicky comes across as a character from your perspective? I don't know if you would agree with me on this front. She feels like the reverse of Susan. She's okay, very I... strong-willed. Which I don't think we had previously. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I don't. I don't have that read of her actually. No. I have a read of someone who wants to take control of things, mm. but in reality doesn't have a lot of power because she's so easily manipulated by Bennett. Yeah. But that, I think that she needs to learn, really. Which is. Which is good, but I don't think that changed what I said. She wants the world to be in a particular way and is very fixed in that view, which I don't think we had with Susan. Yeah, Susan was very like, oh, I don't really know what, what what's fixed. Like, I don't really have a belonging. Whereas I think Vicky is more... She has more of a base as a character yeah. where, like, this is my home point. This is, like, my centre. Mm-hmm. And then when i experience other things as a character i'll i'll view them from that point from that viewpoint of the center yeah so i I think it'll be a change from susan i think a good one because vicky already comes across as a character you can do more with yeah because she doesn't have the limitation of being for doctor's granddaughter so they can put her in in terrifying situation without the doctor having to get all parental about it hmm and you know what? She actually does pretty well given the circumstances she's in because mm-hmm. from, from what I gathered, she, she goes out there flying out to the planet where her dad is? No. She went flying no, out I... with she went flying out with her dad. Oh with her dad. Okay. But then her her dad got killed by Bennett when he Bennett tried to kill everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, right, I'm with you now. Uh, yeah, so obviously she's just had her father removed from her life, which is pretty traumatic, but she, she shows a good bit of, um, mm. you know, she's still pretty determined when, when we get to her. She's not utterly down on her luck or knees or anything. She's not. How did you feel about when Barbara... So essentially, Vicky has a pet. Barbara killed the pet because, quite frankly, Barbara thought which the pet was going to kill Vicky. And it did look quite like that was going to happen. Mm. Do you think Vicky was annoyed enough with Barbara for long enough? I No, maybe not. I, I think that the story is moving quite quickly and so I think some liberties are taken in regard to the emotional journeys. Yeah. Because of that. I, I do think that kind of gets tied up in a bow a little quicker than it should be. Yeah. I think she perhaps should have been a bit closer to Ian from the offset when Ian comes in. Mm. Just because of that, rather than she essentially gets to know them as a pair very quickly. Yeah, it's it's something you could look in, but I don't think it's a big issue. No. If anything, I think it sets Vicky up as a character who can forgive, mm-hmm. and that that could be helpful as we move as we move forward. I think. Um, what- what we're getting at here is that this episode is all right, aside from the ending. Yeah, well, there's actually there's it's actually two endings because I wanted to talk about quickly before we get into the ending the cliffhanger from the first part. Yes, where uh, where Ian is suddenly surrounded by these razor sharp swords coming out of the wall. It's a very Indiana Jonesy kind of kind of setup. Yeah, and then there are other ones coming and they're going to push him off the cliff. And there is this space alligator. Waiting, waiting. Vicky's underneath. pet. Vicky's pet waiting underneath. Yes. For him. Uh, so it's set up as, oh, Doctor, they're pushing me off the edge. They're razor sharp. I can't get a hold of them. How is he going to get out of this one? The Doctor's just like, oh, grab your coat, swing around. <laughs> like, is that it? I mean, let's be honest, Ed. I, looking at how far apart those short swords were, I'm fairly sure he could have probably just stood in the middle of them. Oh yeah, that's what I was and thinking. And be fine. Like, he would have been. He'd have had no problem. He was just like, all right, it's a little bit of a little bit of a wriggle root, wriggle in. But once he did that, it'd be fine. They're a good like fifty centimeters apart. But yeah, there's more than enough space. If you go <laughs> sideways, you're laughing. Yeah, I feel but like no, would, just... I feel like they would have had. It would have been more effective if they had the initial spikes coming out to trap him in there, but then had the entire wall moving towards him. Yeah, the wall would have done it. Because then you're like, okay, there's a real sense of I need to th- fix this under yeah. pressure and quickly. But then if they still had the spikes holding him in, then he can still use that way out of it as well, of using the coat. Which is the first time I think Ian takes his coat off in for surviving episodes. But finally, he gives up his sartorial standards. <laughs> <laughs> that man beat the Daleks out of future apocalyptic England in a full suit. Yeah. He never even took his tie off. The, I have to say, though, these are two different ties. This is the first time we see him in a different tie. It's to symbolise his loss of his um, surrogate child in Susan. <laughs> <laughs> it's his bereaved tie. It should it have been black as a time of warning. <laughs> well, yes, of course. Once a companion leaves, you're instructed very quickly to put your black tie, then you have to deliver a news report about it. Uh, 
So it's the ending then. So the ending is essentially the twist. It, we, we as a viewer sort of already know this twist is coming up, but we don't know the reasonings behind it. But the reasoning is that Bennett murdered someone on the ship and then got imprisoned. The ship crash landed. They all got invited to a big meeting of everyone on the planet. And then mm. Bennett exploded everyone on the planet, including all his fellow shipmates. Yeah, Bennett had Bennett had killed someone in the advance and was killing more people to stop people coming to find them, so he wouldn't be convicted cool. of. Yeah, yeah. And also, if the rescue ship did come, he had Vicky there, who would uh, back up his story and say that everything was fine. So yeah. there wouldn't be any dissenting voice about Bennett. He would get back to Earth, free man, no problem. Yeah. What did you think about that bit for motive? Um, I think it's obviously it's an extreme way to do it, but if um, if they made it more clear that say if you murdered someone the penalty was very very harsh, like it was a death yeah. penalty or like life imprisonment in some great big space jail, yeah, then then you can understand that because uh, characters in desperation will do incredibly extreme things. Yeah, people will do incredibly extreme things when they're under duress. Mm-hmm. So I don't so I don't disagree with the motivation. I think it's justified. You can go with it. The thing I'm, the thing I'm mainly stunned about by the ending is where it's just how he dies. Can I just say my view on the motives? Quickly, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Before we go on to how for next stage, the I'm next fine. Stage. With, I'm fine with the motive. I'm fine with everything to do with that stuff. There. I have one question though. I'll ask you it. You are on a sh- ship. You've just had to put something in the brig for murder. You've crash landed. You get invited by the locals to go have a big meeting. Do you either A, leave a person in the brig, or B, take that person with you so they can plant explosive and explode everything? <laughs> it's I a multiple can't choice. Possibly answer. I can't possibly answer. <laughs> That's the one thing which. Which made me think. Yeah, uh, that's maybe a plot inconsistency. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand it on a motivational level. Yeah. Like people, if people have killed once, then you're perfectly good with having a character kill again. That's yeah. entirely allowed. I also love the fact which for one person who didn't know Bennett murdered someone also happened to get a fee from for time when they had went to this massive meeting. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit of... Uh, do you remember what I said last week? Because I feel like yeah. I said this last week, you're allowed one coincidence in a story. I feel like that's their one. Yeah. I'll let them have that. <laughs> but it's just those little inconsistencies around this, their main plot point, and it just makes me giggle a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit based on coincidence. But but yeah, let's get into, let's get into the death of... of of Mr. Bennett, because my God, this one is is special. This is up there in the Hall of Fame. I don't think it would have been that bad if they had the Dodo people. Dodo, <laughs> Dido, Dido people, um, actually do something. Dodo people. <laughs> 
So it's just the imagery of that. It's just imagine imagine just like swapping out the scene with just massive prehistoric birds. It'd be kind of kind of cold actually, because they were in that sort of stony chapel, weren't they? Like yes. the, the choral music's going. Imagine if some birds just dropped in there, like I'm gonna kill this man. That'd have been cold. Have you finished? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't so, know. Okay, I'm finished. Um, so what do you think about that point? Which it would have been alright if the Dido people have actually done anything. Because what the plot point is, is that they um the Doctor confronts Carquillian in what we led to believe is a temple for the Dido people. Uh, they scuffle in shoes and then Dido people come out and then slowly walk towards Carquillian slash Bennett. I feel like the ending would have been a lot better if if the Dido people just had some dialogue, had something. Yes, because what they do is they are there caked in all white looking like, frankly, angels. They walk towards Bennett, and in his fear, Bennett walks so far backwards that he goes out of a door to his death. He falls off a cliff. It is phenomenally bad. Because <laughs> there's just no explanation for why they're there. Like like I was saying about the yeah. coincidence in the story, you're allowed Vicky having a cold and not dying because they were, they were in the ship and they stayed yeah. back. You then can't just have two people that were apparently dead just show up unexplained and be like, oh, we're here to walk this man off. I think it would have been all right if there was some more actions. Say if they had a little bit of dialogue, if there's an active, not even too much active, if there's a bit of pushing and shoving, and then they had Bennett being pushed off the ledge, I think it would have been better. Yeah, 100%. I... It just comes across like a lot of the Doctor Who endings have since we've started this, where it feels very unplanned and they're not sure how to end it. So they've just come up with a quick solution that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then next thing you know, we're back in the TARDIS without any explanation. Yeah. Which is what normally happens. Yeah, and then and then hell, the ending of this episode it is bonkers in terms of what it sets up. We've got a falling TARDIS. Yeah, so the TARDIS dematerializes and rematerializes on a ledge. It then rocks a little bit. It then falls off the ledge. But where? Well, catch next week to find out. Yes, and it it's not a great advertisement for Vicky, is it? She's just got on a ship with three people she doesn't know, and now she's tumbling in it. Yeah, no, it's. It doesn't really um, give you any... If you were Vicky, you wouldn't feel very comfortable, would you? If I if I was Vicky, I'd have honestly waited for the rescue ship. For, for a start, at least the rescue ship knows yeah. where it's going. Because I, I haven't seen the TARDIS make one planned trip so far. <laughs> no. Actually, once while we're on the rescue, mm. we're never given any motive to why the Dido people want to destroy for communications to the rescue ship. The doctor basically just says, ah, oh, they probably wouldn't want them here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, they just want to be in peace. Yeah. I get that. I want to be in peace sometimes. Fair enough if someone's just tried to blow up your entire people. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I feel like if your planet was under under threat from these same people, you'd be like, ah, best not. Yeah. But anyway, this is... So moving on to sort of like our wrap-up bit... Hmm. 
This is our first companion who hasn't been kidnapped. Yeah. Woo. She's getting kidnapped next episode, won't she? I've watched ten minutes of the next episode. It might happen. <laughs> I look I look forward to that. <laughs> so so what's your rating? What's your rating for the rescue? I feel like it'll be better than the other short ones we've had, because we've been pretty slate pretty damaging about them. Yeah, I've got I'm probably going to give it around six. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd, I'd throw it more like a five, because it was an enjoy. It was a basic, but it was an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I, I'd say it was passable. It was perfectly enjoyable, perfectly fine, nice and short. But there are problems, and that ending really is one of the classic what. Yeah, endings from who so that at, does undercut it. At least it wasn't for sensorites where they just when. Let's be honest. This is what for sensorites we've done. For Dido, people come out. We jump cut for Doctor and Retardus. Um, yes, Carquinian fell off the cliff. <laughs> it was Carquinian was sent into an early retirement. Yes. Oh yes, and Vicky. Both away. Bennett murdered oh. your dad. Let's go. Yeah, straight up. It's just like, I'm afraid Bennett murdered your father. Oh. Anyway, do you want to come on my ship? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's fine. I, d- I don't... I don't think this one is bad. Like, if no, someone no, if someone bad. had come up to me and went, I'm going to watch an old Doctor Who episode. I've got a choice between for rescue and some other one. I wouldn't tell them not to watch this one. Yeah, the rescue's fine, especially if they just want to watch a short one. Because if you tell them to go and watch Dalek Invasion of Earth, they're there for two hours. Yeah, so more than two hours, three hours. Nah, it's not three hours, surely. It's like just, two and a half, maybe? Yeah, just under, I think. Yeah, because like, it's about 24, 25 minutes an episode. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I think that's the end, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think, I think we've made it, just about. Just about. Thank you for listening to Info Black Archive remember to get in touch I don't know where I'm going with this yeah I was sort of waiting for if I was going to queue in there I was trying to work out how a good way to end it tell you what give it a second give it a second I'll come back in and I'll start doing an ending of some kind well I guess we've stumbled to the end of the rescue and if you'd like to rescue us from our Doctor Who watching in silence, then why not get in touch with us and let us know if you've watched this episode or if you've watched any others. Uh, you can get to us on Twitter, which is at blackarchive. No, it's not! It's blackarchivepod! Uh, it's Twitter at blackarchivepod, and Owen is going to rescue me from this ending by telling you our email address. blackarchivepod at gmail.com So tell us, did you see this, this twist coming? And if so, where? Would you like angels to walk you slowly off a cliff? Let us know. Are they weeping angels? Well, they would, it would have been slightly better if they were. So yeah, so thank, for, thank you very much for watching. We have got, I think, for Romans next week. We're going to Rome. All very exciting. And it is indeed thank you for listening. Because you're... Thank God you aren't watching us. Imagine watching this. Ew. I mean, I can't even watch you at the moment because you're having too many issues. Yeah, yeah we're not even on Discord. <laughs> so we have no, we have no visual 
contact today. It's just pure audio. So, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a good week. See you next Monday. Goodbye. Bye. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of time. Well, just this episode, really. It's not that dramatic. But thanks very much for getting here. If you've liked what you heard, uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Black Archive Pod or via email at blackarchivepod at gmail.com. And, of course, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>